Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a nuclear revenge causing a boss to lose dozens of workers in one day. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I left my manipulative mother. My mom has always been the controlling type who liked to be in control of any and every situation. I won't lie, to a little boy of seven who was yet to see the world, I felt safe knowing I didn't have to make significant decisions in my life, knowing I had my parents to do so. I guess this is why I really couldn't understand my older siblings whenever they rebelled against the constituted authority, my mom. My dad, however, is an incredible person. He never tried to force his decision on us, not even when I was a clueless seven-year-old boy. He would sit us down and discuss the pros and cons of whatever decision we had in mind to embark on, cite various examples from both the positive and the negative, and give multiple instances to us to ensure we make the right decision for us. He would go as far as telling us that there are no actions without consequence. They may be the proper consequence, and they may be the wrong one, Either way, we had to take responsibility for our actions as men. And for my elder female siblings, he would assure them that, even though they make the wrong decisions which came with dire consequences, they would always have their home, and most importantly, their father. A perfect role model. My mom is a different story. She's the exact opposite of my dad. She never cared for our opinion and always thought she knew best. I always found her stress-free and thought my dad did things the hard way until I learned otherwise. The hard way. I'm the last child in a family of six. I have two elder sisters and brothers respectively. The first child is sister C, followed by brothers M and T, their twins, then sister Q and finally yours truly. My parents are referred to as Mr. and Mrs. B. Minus my mom's attitude, we were a happy family. My dad was a director in a private firm and my mom had her mega store. We didn't lack anything as a family and, believe it or not, we always had each other's backs. My mother's insistence on her wishes being carried out was always backed up with the phrase, I'm more experienced than you are, I'm your mother and I know what's best for you. All grown up, I now realize how annoying that phrase is. The first person to aggressively break free from my mom's controlling grasp was T, my second eldest brother. T is someone who always had an intense passion for drawing. One word to describe my brother is talented. He was that good. He represented the school in various drawings and painting competitions, constantly emerged as the winner. He had his future already planned out. He would go to school to study a course related to painting and then open his art gallery. My dad, of course, was in support of his dream and paid for expensive classes for him to improve his talent. All these my brother did with a happy smile on his face. At 17, my brother was already making significant money from drawing celebrities and renowned individuals. My dad opened a bank account for him and deposited his money. When all this was going on, my mom didn't utter a word. When it was time for T to apply to a university, he chose a school on another continent and a program related to drawing as he had planned. 
Even better, the school he decided on offered him a full scholarship and numerous benefits. He applied and was waiting for his acceptance letter. Unfortunately for T, his acceptance letter had arrived, but my mother had gotten her hands on it first and hid it. Slowly, the time for orientation crept in, and my brother was yet to get his letter. He became depressed and sad. Meanwhile, my mother urged him to pick a university closer to home and study law. My brother told her he had no interest in law and wanted to pursue the arts. She tried to convince him, and when she found out he wouldn't do it, she applied on his behalf. Luckily, T was given admission to study law at the university she wanted. She was happy and quickly told my brother the good news. T was grateful to her, but told her he wouldn't go to the university she wanted to study law. My mom grew furious and vowed he would do as she wanted. My brother grew even more depressed, which alarmed my dad who had to reach out to the school in Alaska where T wanted to study. He contacted them and found out T's acceptance letter had been sent months ago, and they were surprised he hadn't validated his admission since the school was to start in a week. My dad argued that T's letter hadn't arrived. Then the school concluded that it probably got lost in transit and promised to send another one in hard copy and another one to my dad's mail. In less than 20 minutes, my dad got T's admission letter in his email and told T the excellent news. T was ecstatic. Everyone was happy for him, save my mom of course. She immediately questioned the legitimacy of the email, in the process slipped up about how the mailed admission letter had been with her. T was angry and hurt. He looked at her with burning rage, went into his room, packed his bags, and told dad to drive him to the airport. Dad did so without question and booked him a ticket to Alaska. The next time we all saw T was nine years later. You would think losing one son would let my mom release her grip a little. No, it didn't. Instead, her controlling and manipulating behavior became more intense. My mom manipulated my eldest sister into marrying a man she didn't love because she thought the man my sister loved didn't fit our social class. It was insane. What kind of mother will drug her daughter and let a man get her pregnant to allow her, my older sister, to marry the man my mother wanted? C was devastated when she found out what happened. My dad, the usual cool guy, almost gave my mom divorce papers in anger because he didn't understand how my mom could do something like that to her daughter. My two other siblings didn't fare well either. They became victims of my mom's manipulative schemes as well. When I was 13, my mom revealed her manipulative tendencies to me. It started when my mom suggested I invite all my friends home for lunch. I was glad because it wasn't something she would readily agree to. I asked my friends and we had fun. When it was time for lunch, my mom joined us and encouraged us to have more. While eating, my mom suddenly sent me upstairs to get her phone. I left my food and went upstairs. When I got downstairs to inform my mom that I couldn't find her phone, the tension was suffocating. My friends weren't eating with the same gusto they were eating with before. I asked what the matter was and they all replied negatively, saying nothing was wrong. After eating, they all said they had something to do and left. In school, they all avoided me like the plague. They refused to play with me and kept to themselves, leaving me as the odd one out. When I got home, I told my mom what had happened, and she said maybe they were intimidated by my status and decided to steer clear of me. She said I should make friends with students in my social class instead. I believed my mom and tried making friends with the popular kids in school, but it was a nightmare. 
I had to become someone I just wasn't to fit in. It wasn't until senior high when one of the kids who had visited my house then told me my mother had threatened to destroy their families if they didn't stop being friends with me. My mom ran a background check on them and deemed them unworthy to be my friends. I was pained and hurt, distressed that I lost my true friends while believing they were the bad guys and broken because my mom had manipulated me into doing her bidding. However, the torture didn't stop there. A similar experience happened when I was about to go to college. My mom guilt-tripped me into studying engineering. Luckily for me, I enjoyed the course, but what I wanted to learn was architecture. I remember telling her I wanted to study architecture, and then she started crying, saying none of her children wanted to acknowledge her as their mother. I asked what she meant, and she told me all of her kids studied what they wanted, and not what she wanted. She said she would like it if I studied engineering, so that her dream of having an engineer for a child would come to fruition. Being a mama's boy, I decided to drop architecture for engineering. I found out later she only wanted an engineer for a kid so she could brag about it. The icing on the mother freak in the cake was the matter of my life partner. LJ was a girl I'd been with since the second year in college. She studied business administration and was from a humble home. My dad approved of my relationship with her, but my mom was skeptical. I didn't care about her opinion because I knew how she could be. Jay and I continued to see each other, and after a few years, I proposed to her and she said yes. We were so happy and everyone except my mom was happy for us. I still didn't care because I knew she only wanted her happiness at the expense of mine. She tried everything to stop me from getting engaged to Jay. Emotional blackmail, physical blackmail, and even threats, but it didn't work for me. Jay and I started to plan our engagement party, which was going well. I guess my mother realized letting her dissatisfaction be evident was a wrong move, so she kept her opinions to herself. On our engagement day, I called Jay before she left the house, and she told me that she was on her way to the hotel. After that call, Jay went radio silent. When it was time for the engagement and Jay hadn't arrived, I was beginning to get worried. Two hours from the time the arrangement should have started, I got a call from Jay. On the call, she apologized for breaking my heart and said my mother was correct about her assumptions. Jay told me that she only used me to get a connection to my family's business partners for her benefit. She further said that she was sorry to wait until our engagement but couldn't get married to me. She apologized and told me not to look for her and the call got cut off. I was distraught and depressed. I locked myself up in the room and cried day in and day out. It was a harrowing experience for me. My mother didn't make it easier for me. She kept rubbing it in my face so that I couldn't do anything by myself. Then she said I shouldn't worry and that she would find a perfect match for me. It took time for me to get myself together, but I did. I started going out with this girl my mom set me up with. She was a pretty cool girl, full of vigor, life, and light. Honestly, I tried looking for flaws, but I couldn't find any. She was perfect. I genuinely began to care for her and take care of her. I grew to love her. One morning I was rushing to work when I bumped into someone. I turned around to apologize when I saw that the person I would bumped into was Jay. I was shocked and the hurt from before came rushing back. I tried to leave the scene immediately but she held me back and started begging, telling me to listen to her, that she was set up. I didn't want to listen to her but she said everything was my mother's plan. That caught my attention. 
She suggested we meet up later and she would explain everything that happened to me. I gave her my contact and later in the weekend we met up and she told me everything. She said she was on her way to the hotel when her car was suddenly hijacked. She was kidnapped and taken to a secluded house. There, she was threatened to make the call, but she refused to. Then they brought them out of one of the rooms, her sister and cousin who were in the car with her. They threatened to dispatch her sister and cousin if she didn't give in to them. When they saw that she was still adamant, they shot her sister in the arm. Then she knew they were serious and had to give in to them. She also said she knew it was my mother behind the whole thing when my mother visited her in the hospital and roasted to her face that she, Jay, should have left when she told her to. She also said Jay had forced her hand and she didn't want to see Jay anywhere near her son. I began to hurt all over again and was floored. In my despair, something told me to ask about my current girlfriend, M, and I did. I showed her M's picture and she confirmed that M was her cousin who was with her in the car when it got hijacked. There and then, I pieced the pieces together. My mother introduced M to me and M happened to be Jay's cousin who was in the car with Jay when it got hijacked, thereby leading to M knowing the exact route Jay would pass to get to the hotel. I told Jay all about M and my hypothesis. To say she was shocked was an understatement. After we both recovered a bit from shock, Jay asked me what I wanted to do, and I told her not to worry and that I'll handle it. On getting home, I called an emergency family meeting and told everyone what had happened in full detail. My family was shocked that my mom could go to such lengths to have her way. My mom, not surprisingly, wasn't remorseful and even justified her actions. I then called her out and told her I was done. I was out of her life forever. She could forget she has a son. To rub it in, I also told them that I would be getting married to Jay, and there was nothing she could do about it. I stormed out. That was the last time I saw my mom. During my wedding and my children's birthdays, I never invited her, nor did I let her know where I stayed. My siblings didn't tell her as well. It was an action that left me feeling relieved. If this really went down and there is any way to possibly link that to her, you just let somebody go that did some horrible, monstrous stuff to people. Like forget whatever pain she would have by everybody cutting her off knowing the truth, she should be held liable and locked up. Our next story is, I made my boss lose 70 workers in one day. The day I stepped into a spare part assembling company as a worker was the day I felt all my ill fortunes would turn around for the best. Little did I know that my boss, Mr. Tony Moore, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Was an unrepentant hard guy who took pleasure in watching his employees suffer. He wasn't the type to owe salaries or deny any one of their allowances, but he was the type who took pleasure in making the atmosphere toxic for his employees. He allowed no random days off, no holidays or vacations, or even a moment outside of his workspace to allow anyone who lost a loved one to grieve properly. He got away with a lot of atrocities against other employees, but when it was my turn, I checkmated him thoroughly. I would never forget the grave look I saw in his face the day he realized he lost quite a sum to what he tagged sheer carelessness. My boss paid above the stipulated minimum wage required of every employer, and thank God for the United States government, you don't have to worry about a boss who liked to cut corners providing you're legal or civil. But Mr. Tony Moore knew his perks and loved to leverage them. He blatantly made one feel as though he did you a favor the moment he employed you. It's true what they say about how you can't eat your cake and have it, because the pay was good. Many people would only rave about how they would get their last paycheck in a particular month and then vamoose into the thin air. But they kept getting paycheck upon paycheck without taking any step towards the exit door. One time, Pamela and Sandy, two very hard-working women, got into a very heated argument at work. And it got so bad that it resulted in physical combat. That was borderline hilarious because these two women were old staff members who should have known better. And, of course, do better. It was a terrible scenario in which Mr. Tony Moore didn't forgive. No one expected him to make these two women who stuck with him through thick and thin going on for two weeks without observing their lunch break. We were shocked to see Mr. Tony in that element because we expected him to be lenient with women. It got so bad that one of the women fainted during the course of their punishment. No one was happy and I was the saddest of these unhappy people. Pamela was my friend and I didn't like it when the doctor said she fainted due to exhaustion and stress. That was the beginning of my hatred for Mr. Tony Moore. I didn't intend to allow my hatred to degenerate into something sinister, but when Mr. Tony Moore continued to be unrepentant despite complaints, arrests, and lawsuit threats, it became obvious that someone needed to teach him a lesson that would stand the test of time. All through the period that I worked with Mr. Tony, I made sure I was dutiful in my job. The job was demanding, both physically and mentally but I made a resort to obeying rules, especially safety rules, and also stuck to the work ethics Mr. Tony deemed important. I knew none of that mattered to Mr. Tony, but I tried to put my best foot forward regardless. 
All of that changed the day I tried to take a two-day leave to see my ailing mother. I made sure I gave a prior notice, and I enclosed my letter of request in a brown envelope. When Clara, Mr. Tony's secretary, didn't get back to me on time, I knew it was necessary to find out what could have gone wrong. I shivered in a wave of strong cold when I watched Mr. Tony speak in his usual deep voice. I was dazed when he said I asked for the leave at the wrong time. He said he couldn't trust any other person in my department to execute the massive orders he had at hand at that point. I felt weak and indecisive. All I needed to do was walk out of the premises and never return, but I couldn't do that. My mother was ailing and I needed every dime I could to sustain her enormous medical bills. I cried. A full-grown man like me cried like a baby because I couldn't get my boss to release me no matter what I said. He told me he could allow me to leave the next week, but not that week. I went home sad and confused. I had to tell my mother to hang in there for me. It was difficult, but I managed to mask the pain. I needed to be strong. I was determined to wait until I would be granted permission to go home to see my mom, but I had to give up on Mr. Tony when Pamela, the woman I'd developed a close affinity with, slumped at the office. She was medically examined, but she had no inherent health challenge that could have resulted in such an occurrence. Later, when she confided in me about what truly happened, she confessed that she'd been very depressed for a long time. She couldn't just hop out of her job because she had fees and bills to take care of, and a single mom doesn't wake up and decide not to show up at work just because the environment suffocated her. I knew someone needed to put Mr. Tony right before someone dies while we sit there to stare. The overwhelming feeling of revenge continued to linger in my heart, but I always convinced myself that I wasn't the right person to lead such a revolt. That same day, I was more than ready to lead the revolt that would change Mr. Tony's life for a while. I wailed like a baby when I was told my mother had passed away quietly in her sleep. I had seen her in a video call hours before that time, but I didn't expect the shocking news of her demise. My sister said she whispered my name till she drew her last breath. I regretted not walking out of Mr. Tony's when he insisted that I stay back to monitor his orders. I knew I did my best to support my mother, but I could not forgive myself for not being by her side when she needed me the most. I was surprised that I found the strength to resume after my mom was laid to rest. I insisted on going away to lay my mother to rest. I didn't have to resume work again, but I did. It wasn't out of responsibility, it was out of deep spite and revenge. There was this heavy nut on my chest and I needed to let it all out. Mr. Tony sympathized with me casually when I returned, and I wondered how he slept the day I told him my mother passed. I told him I had delivered his orders, but my order was left unattended too. I wanted to tell him to get out of my face so badly, but I needed not to be uncouth to show the state of my heart. All of my coworkers felt bad that I couldn't make it to see my mom just in time, and somehow I could feel their hearts burning. I wasn't surprised when Mr. Morrison, a middle-aged man who had seen enough bad days at work, told me that they would support me in any decision I made. That was very big news for me because I needed all the support I could get to teach Mr. Tony a lesson. I wanted the next set of workers that would come after us to experience a free and fair environment to thrive. I needed to end this custom of abuse in the company once and for all. 
Mr. Tony's father started the evil trend of making the workspace a toxic place, and my current boss learned how to keep step with his father's lifestyle. It was bad enough that he started worse than his father. He was determined to sustain and improve a bad legacy. The plan was to allow everyone to continue their job as usual. There was no need to carry a long face around. If we were going to succeed with our plans, we didn't have to rub it on Mr. Tony's face. It was the last quarter of the year, and as usual, the company ran on a full scale throughout this season because of the heavy orders we usually encounter around that time. Mr. Tony's family had run this huge spare part assembling company with a license to assemble spare parts for heavy duty vehicles from an equally big company in China. The company stood tall in the heart of New York City and we imported and exported goods every other day. Our customers in some African countries like Nigeria like to send in heavy orders around that time so that they wouldn't have to go through the usual rush to place orders at the beginning of the year. The orders kept rolling in, and we all kept a straight face at work. Everyone did what was expected of them while they can because the bombshell that would humble Mr. Tony and his family was around the corner. I hoped that Mr. Tony wouldn't give me a reason to pull the trigger on the legacy that his family had spent decades upon decades building and sustaining because I never miss any shot. But no change in behavior could suffice for the void we felt in our hearts when we lost a worker to cancer. Mrs. Gary had tried to take a sick leave from work, but she knew it wasn't time for her to go on leave yet, so she kept quiet and continued to hope for a miracle pending the time her official leave date would commence. Maybe if she knew that the cramps she felt in her pelvic region were beyond menstrual pains, she would have checked it on time. She didn't know it was cancer of the uterus. It was so painful for me when I watched how uncomfortable she was at the hospital. Maybe if the workspace was conducive enough, or the boss wasn't unnecessarily rigid and selfish, that cancer might not have spread too much. The medical team tried, and her family and of course her colleagues at work tried to be there for her, but we admitted that cancer was cancer when she passed away quietly in her sleep. The only thing Mr. Tony said regarding Mrs. Gary's death was, Let's take a moment to honor the soul of the departed. May she find rest for her soul. Immediately after that, everyone went back to work. I wondered if life was worth more than money to Mr. Tony, and how much we all meant to him aside from showing up to work for our regular paycheck. I knew then that life is fickle, transient, and brief, and it is always shorter for people who don't stand up to oppression and oppressors. It was two months to the end of the year, and more orders were rolling in. I knew that there was no better time than to teach Mr. Tony a lesson that he would tell his grandchildren yet upon. More than 50 employees were willing to resign. After Mrs. Gary's death, many workers concluded that the major reason why they worked was to live. And if the work they do won't allow them to live, it was better to leave. The plan was to make our resignation epic and unforgettable. The plan to resign in mass swept quickly around the office. I feared the plan would get to the wrong employees who licked Mr. Tony's feet, but to my surprise, many people were tired and they needed a nudge to lead them out of that place. We needed to make our exit a grand one. We needed to do it for the people we've lost on the way. Work was still going on at a fast pace, so Mr. Tony didn't see any change in attitude in any of us. The morning that preceded D-Day was epic. More than 45 workers dropped their letters of resignation. 
Mr. Tony had been away in China, and when he came back, he came back to a truckload of resignation letters on his desk. The day he arrived, he had 20 more resignation letters on his table, and then 5 more dropped in the evening. Mine was included in the last 5. A total of 70 people resigned on the same day and each person attached pieces of evidence of a breach of contract to back their decision. Mr. Tony was too sick to think. He thought everything was a joke. I walked into Mr. Tony's office with the other colleagues to remind him that we have unanimously decided to stop coming to his beloved enterprise the next day. We told him to bring his lawyers if he wants to, and that we weren't afraid to drag him into court. When we stepped out of his office, I saw a file of people cheering and clapping loudly. We sang songs of freedom and anyone afraid to leave Mr. Tony Moore knew it was a matter of time before they do so. Mr. Morrison didn't leave, but he shed tears of joy for the bold step we took to liberate others from stylish oppression. When he shook my hands, I felt a rush of emotion down my spine. I didn't want to be seen as the hero he saw, and I wondered if all those people were sure about their decisions to leave. But when I saw the way the women hugged one another and the way the men shook hands seriously, I knew they'd always wanted to leave Mr. Tony, but they needed a strong why to do so. I looked at all the warm and smiley faces around me and I could only grin in admiration at the power of solidarity. We said big cheers to the future, to freedom, and better working conditions. Mr. Tony was confused about how he was going to meet up with the orders he had at hand. He would lose so much money if he doesn't come up with a solution. How would he do without 70 people in the organization? Eventually, Mr. Tony lost millions of dollars, and when he was interviewed by a renowned journalist, all he had to say was, I lost my key employees to sheer carelessness. I chuckled a bit when I watched him say, sheer carelessness. I wanted him to say, I lost my employees to sheer arrogance selfishness and outright callousness well i couldn't get him to say that or even see that so his father's legacy continued to dwindle and dwindle until there was no legacy to sustain we did it for mrs gary for my mom and for pamela who never returned to work after a long thought i knew that we did it for ourselves too i mean i would have liked to have seen some kind of legal challenge held against somebody like this Considering this took place in the US, I'm assuming this happened in a state where it probably isn't legal to deny somebody a lunch break. I get not wanting to go to court, not wanting to fund lawyers and whatever. I feel like this would definitely be some kind of pro bono gold mine, but everybody quitting at the same time and almost surefire bankrupting him, that's a pretty good result too. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.